he could have partied all night long in his town, having fun. Team is more important. Love it. You can reach us at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us, 1-833-401-1440. Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger, who is hotter than a firecracker today. I said hello to him. He walked over and slapped me. He's so angry about college football. I can't get into it yet, but we will in a minute. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Rachel Dory will join us from the Staff and Graph podcast at 1240 today. I want to find out about the Oilers and goaltending and how long you wait because of Jack Campbell and other things. And then we'll also have Austin Elmore, ESPN 1530 Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Remember WKRP? The senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Jason Greger will join us as well. Talk about the orders and more. And it's Mama MMA with our friend Declan Kruger. And with that, I bring him in because, Declan, I'm wondering if you can do a very brief, we'll talk about it again later, but a very brief uh, infomercial about your rage with regard to the Final Four in college football and how it came about. Farce, robbery, invalidation are the words that come come to mind. When I, when I saw you this morning, I said I witnessed a robbery this weekend and I was powerless to stop it. I just had to sit there and let it happen. My tweets fell on deaf ears. My handwritten letters to the committee's head office did not reach them, apparently. It was a joke. An undefeated Power 5 champion who had two top 15 wins on neutral sites, a top 25 win on the road, and another win against a team that was 16th in the nation at the time was left out of the playoff for something that was completely out of control. This was the SEC being the golden child, being the moneymaker, and getting the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I, I was thinking, I was I woke up and I thought, I couldn't imagine walking into the SEC bootlicking factory and be handed that <laughs> as an assignment. But the college football playoff committee certainly did it justice. And here's another thought I had late last night because this was swirling around in my mind. I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. And this is what it really comes down to, to for me. If FSU... And Bama, if their roles were switched, it wouldn't even be a debate. It wouldn't even be a question, and that's how you know the committee got it wrong. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but it's a, it's a long show. I'm sure we'll get into it. I digress for now because I'm getting so fired up. You can see the steam coming out of my ears through my headphones, but those are my initial thoughts. There are times when it benefits you to have been a radio since 1980, which is me. And I, I could tell that I had to get a microphone to that man as quickly as possible today. And we'll, we'll be dropping in because we've got Mama MMA, and he's, he's, he's absolute fire with regard to this, and that's what sports radio is all about. Who is jacked up about Jack Doodley? And right now, it's college football and our friend Declan, and we're going to go after it heavily. Jack Campbell didn't look great on the weekend. There's two things that I object to. I tweeted out just a minute ago, the Oilers' top 20 prospects. I do it in winter and in summer, and obviously this is the winter edition. And I, I wanted I wanted people to, to hear this and know this, because everybody's talking about Jack Campbell. And Great. You know, you signed him to $5 million. You wanted to be able to play well. He let in two goals that you can't let in. If he came back and played that game and let in two goals for the Oilers, it would be, it would be once again returning to the feeling of not being confident when playing in front of that goaltender. Now, my top 20 lists all the, any player, any league, anything like that. Olivier Rodriguez, I have a number four now. 
Bakersfield Condors uh, goaltender. He's got a 936 save percentage, number one in the NHL. He doesn't qualify because he's only played four games because they played Pickard. Pickard most of the time before Pickard was called up, and now they're playing Campbell almost all of the time. Last year, Olivier Rodrigue was number nine in the AHL, nine twelve. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar NHL goaltender, but I think he's the second best goalie option they have behind Stuart Skinner. They're not calling him up. It'll be Jack Campbell. They'll probably make a trade beforehand. Olivier Rodrigue has earned it. And in the post draft, post expansion era since 1967, it's happened a lot. It happened. Rogi Vashon got called by the uh, recalled by the Oilers in '67. In 1970, Kenny Dryden got recalled. A very famous example of that. There have been others over the years. Young goalies can win Stanley. Ask Cam Ward of the Carolina Hurricanes. Hate to hurt you like this, but this is important that you know. So Olivier Rodrigue, inexpensive option, and the Oilers are are trying to get Jack Campbell up. Right, play Jack Campbell. Play Jack Campbell all you want, but play Olivier Rodrigue enough for him to show you he deserves a start in the National Hockey League. I'd like to see him start at least one game, maybe three or four, during this period of time, just to see if he can do it. And I know you're saying, ah, it's asking too much of the youngster. No, it's not. Colby Kosh, who's a brilliant writer and a very fine hockey mind, years ago did the work, and he showed that young goaltenders can step in and they can play. And that's what I'm suggesting you to do you today. And I know people are going to go, oh, low tide. What are you? Did you smoke the drapes on the way? No, I didn't. Go to my house right now. My drapes are there. I didn't smoke the drapes. I don't smoke drapes. I don't smoke. I don't know if they have chewable drapes, but I did not smoke the drapes. Uh, if, a, if a guy is telling you he's the best goalie in the system, aside from Stuart Skinner, then believe him. Olivier Rodrigue played the other night, and he was really good. They lost late, but he was outstanding. And then Jack Campbell did not play well on the weekend, and they won. Leon was not on the ice today for practice. Now, they don't play until, like, Wednesday, so it's fine, but I wanted to let you know that. I love the Connor McDavid thing. Uh, what a guy. Man, I know I go on and on and on and on about him, and we're not related. Uh, but uh, if we were, I'd be asking for money. I know that. But I just think he's he's such a leader, and he's grown into such a, a quality uh, leader on a hockey team. And that's an example. Got to get back to work. Now, um, people texted me and DM'd me about the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want you to know, I don't own the Eagles. I have no uh, input into what they do. So when you tell me their run defense sucks and I better do something about it, I, there's, I just can sit here. I'm really good at that. I can just sit here. I would do that. I don't actually control or own them or coach them, and you should be thankful. 49ers look good. I I now feel like the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. I didn't. Now I do. When the 49ers are firing on all cylinders, I think there's no question they're the best team in the NFC. The problem for them becomes when they don't fire on all cylinders, when they don't have that Avengers talent field all across the offense, they take a significant step back in the tier of production. I think if you if you take the 49ers at their best and any other team in the NFC at their best, the 49ers are going to come out on top 99% of the time. But I think when the 49ers lose some form of production, whether it be a Debo Samuel, whether it be a George Kittle, whether it be a Christian McCaffrey, they take a further they take a further step back in terms of offensive production than other teams in the NFC. Like I think if the Eagles met the 49ers where they're both at 70%, I think the Eagles are the better team. I think if you, they meet when they're both 50%, the Eagles are the better team. But when both teams are clicking, 
Both teams are firing on all cylinders. The 49ers have too much talent and have too much of a game plan work to that talent all across the field for them not to be the best team in the NFL. Or NFC. I'll say NFC. So if you were picking right now, you'd pick the 49ers and in the Super Bowl. I would pick right now the 49ers, and I, I, I don't really know why because I look at this team and I don't think they have anything that jumps out to me across the board, but I just think they're so steady and so good consistently that right now I would take the Baltimore Ravens. I think it would be a 49ers-Ravens Super Bowl. That is an interesting choice, but I get it. I've seen them a few times the last few weeks, and they do look – they have the same look they had when they won the last time. They And I'm trying to sit here and justify why, and to be honest, I can't really give a good reason. I can't give one reason that sticks out above the rest. Like, if you you ask me about the Chiefs, I might say Patrick Mahomes. If you ask me about, like, like – the 49ers, I might say, all oh, the plethora of talent they have there. When it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, I don't know if I can give you a singular answer. And I don't even know if they're overly exceptional anywhere. But when you put everything together, I just think they're such a great, steady team that they're my pick. All right. Well, that was a provocative pick by you, young man. Packers beat the Chiefs. Eagles, man, they lost. Okay. Now, I, I'm, you're basically doing the first portion of the show, but it's really, I think it's the most compelling stuff we can talk about today. Um, I loved your passion when I came in because I understand it. I get upset about things in sports and we are privileged to be able to worry about things that aren't, you know, life and death and pretend they are. Um, but like I, I watched the Washington game and I thought, man, they deserve to be there. Um, I, I watched Alabama, but I don't follow it like you do. So who what, who should be in that isn't and who should be out that is in the final four? Florida State should have been in over Alabama. And this is I said this in the in the top of the segment during my opening remarks if their if their roles had been flipped it wouldn't even been a debate. Everyone talks about oh you know but Georgia who's ranked number 6 they would be favored against you know four of these teams in the top 5. Oregon was favored by almost 10 points against Washington. Bama was favored against Texas when they played earlier in the year. Georgia was favored against Bama when they played now. That's why you play the games. The results on the field have to matter. And you're telling me a team that went 13-0 in a Power 5 conference, won all their games, won it on the strength of their defense late in the season because they were playing with backup quarterbacks. They beat two top 15 teams on neutral sites. They beat a top 25 team on the road. They beat another team who was ranked 16th in the nation at the time. You're telling me all of a sudden that team is not good enough. Why? What The quarterback change. They were winning games on the strength of their defense. Do you know what the SEC's best out of conference win this year was? It was Kentucky over Louisville. That Louisville team was held to six points and beaten by double digits by a third-string Florida State quarterback. And here's another thing. What, what motivation is there for a team to be in the ACC right now? You think if you're a team in the ACC or if you're a team thinking about moving conferences, you have any justification to go to the ACC? The ACC just saw a team go undefeated, win the conference, and get kicked out for a team that was beating Auburn by three points on Hail Mary plays on 4th and 31. For a team that scored 17 points against USF and had three quarterbacks playing in that game. For a team that barely beat Arkansas. Are you kidding me? What are we doing here? What is the justification for a team to want to be in the ACC right now? It is so transparent that the college football playoff committee is bought by the SEC and even to a larger degree bought by the Big Ten and the SEC. Every team that made the playoff this year is going to be either a Big Ten or an SEC team later this year. Next year, excuse me. What is the justification putting in for Alabama over Florida State? 
If you want to say they would be favored on a neutral field because of Florida State's quarterback, I get that. But the results on the field have to matter. That's why we play the games. If the results on the field don't matter, just take the four best recruiting classes every year and the teams with the four best returning gang of players and skip the regular season and jump straight to the bowl games. Texas A&M, they were ranked fourth in the talent in the nation coming into this year. They didn't finish in the top 25 because you play the games on the field. The results on the field have to matter. Florida State did that flawlessly, and they got punished for it because of an SEC bias. It's ridiculous. Um, it, uh, college football has always been political, and I say that as a fan of Notre Dame, who yes. will get a bowl game even if they're trash. They could finish 500, and they'll get a bowl game somewhere. Mm-hmm. It might be the the... Fruit Loops Bowl, but they're going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand it. But I thought this new system was supposed to take these redonkulous things away. Well, that was the thought process. And you know what? The college football playoff was validated its first year because the argument was always like, ah, there's, you know, there's too many teams. How do we really decide between two and three and, and two, two to three, four and five? And the first year of the college football playoff, it was the four seed who won it, which validated the college football playoff. It was Ohio State that won it. Now you're going to see a movement to 12 teams. And I think the argument is just going to intensify to a degree. Now we talk about Florida State, who was the fifth team being left out. Maybe they should have been there. When we get to 12, you're going to talk about the 13th, 14th, and 15th teams having argument, having arguments and who should have got left out. So is it going to solve problems moving to more teams? Probably not. It's probably going to create more problems than it solves. But at least you're not going to see teams with undefeated Power 5 conference championship resumes getting left out. You would think. You never know with the playoff committee. They got to. I mean, I said they got to fix it. They've been trying to fix it for a hundred years. Jay's going after Juan Soto. I will tell you, as a uh, observer, and I don't know if I can be a fan. I'm an Expos fan, but I did enjoy their World Series win. Soto is he's the real thing. He's a lefty bat with hair on his ass, and that's what you want. And he's it. He would be if you're a Jays fan. What you want is you want to have Soto batting third, Vladdy batting fourth, Bichette maybe second or fifth. That's a Murd Diddley Erderer's row. Not bad. I'll take that. I'm not a Jays fan, but I have lots of friends who are. So I wish that for you. Tide, I read your top 20 prospects list. I have to admit, it's so grim on the farm right now. It's got to be bottom five in the league, is it not? Oh, sure it is. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they've, they've, and it's not, people blame the scouts. I wrote about this today on the blog. Don't blame the scouts. You know, the, the scouts in the last two years, there's been 14 rounds of NHL draft. The Oilers have drafted seven players and they traded one of them, Reed Schaefer, already. So they're less than 50%. And they've done well. They're drafting guys who have a chance. The kid Capone, uh, they got out of college last year, like in the seventh round, is having a good year and he's 20. I mean, they're betting really, really strong right now. I'm so impressed with the Edmonton Oilers scouts, but the management has got to stop trading everything that's not nailed down. I mean, if we had traded Declan in the first day he was here, where the hell would we be? Probably better off, but I'm still happy to be here. Well, that's what I said when they asked me, but, you know, management doesn't listen. Anyway, the, the Oilers have got to develop. Uh, I would say this, that I have Xavier Borgo as the top prospect in the system. And I have Bo Aiki, Raphael Lavoie, Olivier Rodrigue, and Max Warner as the top five. And I think Warner is going to be a player. They have got to get three of those five guys to the NHL and productive. They don't have a choice. And they're not the best prospects in the world. But they're their best prospects. They're their best prospects. They are the Oilers' best prospects. They're their boys. 
They are the Oilers' best prospects. Three of the five have to have to cash. They need Borgo, Aki, and one other, Lavoie, Rodrigue, Warner, to cash. And I would include Matt Ray Petrov. I think he's good, but I think he's the start of the complementary group. We'll see. And then he wants somebody from down below, like a Ben Gleason or a Jaden Grub or, or Capone or Carter Savoy to cash. Maybe it's James Hamblin. Oh, they got trouble right here in River City. Does anybody know the music man? Like if I said the music man, if I said the music man uh, musical that had that song, who sang it and what was his real name and what big movie was he involved in later in life that Julie Andrews was also in? Maybe I'll throw that in. Could you riddle me that, Batman? Could you? Well, the crazy thing is when he started saying the music man like that, the only thing I could think of was the muffin man. Like here comes the I don't even know the nursery rhyme. That was the only. Have you thing seen I the Muffin of, so. Man? The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? Yes. Have you seen the yes. Muffin Man who lives in Drury Lane? That was a good yes. Point. I've seen the Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. <laughs> that was what, that was what came to mind. So I think the easy answer is no. I don't know. And then when you said Julie Andrews, I just started thinking about the sound of music and the Von Traps. So the, I may be way off base here. Uh, the 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 movie that that I'm referring, she is in it, but it is miles away from anything that would be uh, involved in the sound of music. Mary Poppins? No, again, okay. very far away. The, the The movie I'm thinking of starred Julie Andrews, James Garner, and this person I'm thinking of. I need his name. It was directed by Blake Edwards and Leslie Ann Warren was beautiful in it as well. Okay, I can't give you any more. I just can't. All right. It's, I'm, I am so... In looking forward to this show, mostly because the star of the show is going to be our friend Declan. He's got all the beautiful pieces because he earned it. On the way, Rachel Dory at 1240. She's brilliant. We're going to have a heavy oiler uh, uh, edge to that particular segment. Make sure to listen to Rachel at 1240. On the way at 105, it'll be Austin Elmore. What a great name. I love it. ESPN 1530 from, it's ESPN 1530, Cincinnati. I'm not. I can't sing, but I'm trying to do the WKRP and Jason Greger at 120, and then Mama MMA again with our friend Declan. It's all on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Lowdown at Sports 1440. Oh, what a song! He was sitting in the lounge of the Empire Hotel. He was drinking for diversion. He was thinking for himself. A little money riding on the maple leaves. Along comes a lady in lacy sleeves. She says, let me sit down. You know, I'm drinking alone. Shame, a shame. It's a crying shame. Look at those jokers glued to that damn hockey game. Hey, honey, you've got lots of cash. Bring us around a bottle and we'll have some laughs. Gin's what I'm drinking. I was raised on robbery. Now, that's a lyric. I mean, you are instantly hooked. What's going to happen? What's going on? What kind of gin? Did the Leafs win? I'm just saying. It is time for hockey rumors. We will go elsewhere when things heat up. Now, in baseball, we could go there with Juan Soto today. There is a rumor the Jays are after him, and if they are after him, they should get him. Oh, yeah, they should get him. Movie was Victor Victoria. Great movie. Always had a crush on Leslie Ann Warren. It's true. Robert Preston was the individual involved. Robert Preston was Harold Hill in The Music Man. 
And he's the one who does this crazy thing where he starts talking about, you know, the, the everybody, these children, their minds, they're going, they're just all at the pool hall. You got, now we need trumpets. And, and it, it, is, it is a brilliant scene. Music Man is a great, great musical. And Robert Preston, years and years later, was in Victor Victoria and so good. So, so very good. By the way, Shirley Jones was in The Music Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Ottawa Senators are the subject of trade rumors via Bruce Garriock. He recently shared that teams have been reaching out to the Senators to see if top forward Drake Batherson is available. He reports Ottawa isn't looking for a large-scale trade. Instead, shopping around winger Dominic Kobalik, who would be interesting. I think the Oilers need more of a two-way type. I would say like an Ivan Barbashev. But if they can, like, if the, if you're interested in, I don't know if they can get. Everybody says, well, the Oilers got to have four lines. I don't think that's realistic. You're always going to overplay McDavid and Drysaddle. You just are. You might as well admit it. Your fourth line is going to be trashed by noon hour. Uh, depending upon how recess goes. It's just not going to be there for a long time. So, sure, you can have James Hamblin as the fourth-line center, but you're not going to invest a lot in your fourth-line center. If you do, he's going to be your third-line center, and Ryan McLeod would move down. The Winnipeg Jets are one of my favorite teams in the National Hockey League, not because I love Winnipeg, because, I, I mean, I do. I love Winnipeg for lots of reasons. Miranda Tesh lives there. Uh, the Winnipeg, the city has produced so much great music, from the Guess Who to the Backman-Turner Overdrives to the Weaker Thans. I, I could go on and on. Neil Young lived there a long time. Uh, I, the, the, the Winnipeg music scene makes Edmonton and Calgary and Saskatoon and Regina and, and really even, to a certain extent, Vancouver look kind of silly. Winnipeg, over the, over the span of my lifetime, has produced... Some brilliant artists. Really, it has. It's a wonderful arts community there and music community there. But I like the Jets because they do smart things. They've signed Nino Niederreiter to a three-year extension. Niederreiter is a somewhat unique player, and that's why he's a somebody who uh, I think that the teams who have him want to keep him because he does bring a unique set of skills. Ottawa Senators DJ Smith on the hot seat. You can actually see him melting in front of the camera. If you watch him... And he's a guy who, for me, he's a throwback guy. He looks like the guy who helped your dad move lumber when you were a kid. Did your dad ever have a buddy who helped him move lumber? Not really, that okay. I think of. I wish I had a better answer, but no. I should have well, just lied. What am I doing? I should have well, just said I, yes. You know, you, I like people who can move the conversation forward. I move the conversation forward. We're all we're doing. It doesn't matter for lying. We're just moving the conversation forward. But you go your way. You I know. know. I halted it. I was like I'm a brick just, wall. It, you know, <laughs> it doesn't really, I mean, it's just a job. You're over there typing. You don't care. It's fine. I'm over here dying because you didn't give me a good response. But that's okay. That's how we play. All right. DJ Smith melting in front of the camera because he, he he's a burly looking guy. So burly looking guys, they look especially um, out of place, out of time, ridiculous it's like abbott and costello right so who's gonna look like the fool well lou is gonna look like the guy you've always hits him in the head oh i'm so stupid i'm such a doomed old boy well that dj smith when the team is losing they pan to the burly guy maybe the suit doesn't look real good 
And it's like, oh, yeah, DJ Smith. And there's nothing he can do because he's a burly guy. And maybe they don't have a Mr. Big and Tall in Ottawa that works. I don't know. Feel bad for DJ Smith. Because they're going to make a move. It's just a matter of when. And I suspect they want to make a move. But the guy that they want isn't available. Or maybe they're spending some time talking to our friend, Jay Woodcroft. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'll say this to you right now, that I mentioned it at the top of the hour, but I don't think it's a rumor, but I'm going to talk about it like it is. The owners have no money. It's, um, have you ever had like uh, your furnace break down or your fridge and stove go away or maybe the the torque converter in your car breaks down or the, you're driving along and the loudest, loudest and biggest plume of black smoke comes out of your gas pipe and then your car says, okay, we're done. Ever had those things? Yeah, I've had all those things happen. Okay. And then you don't have any money. You you go to the 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 black plume score store and they go yeah that's uh, twelve hundred dollars and you don't have eight dollars so you have four so you go buy yourself a banana and you eat it and you think about how am I going to get to the work and back and all of that that's kind of where the orders are they don't have any money they they and they really don't have a lot of trade resources they've got the twenty twenty four first round pick they can spend it on one thing they need three things that's the point of my article today in the athletic they need three things they need a one b goalie to go with Stuart Skinner and they want Jack Campbell they need a number two right defenseman and I would say Chris Tanev is the best guy out there from Calgary and then they need a two way guy and I have used uh, for some time now Ivan Barbashev of the Vegas Golden Knights as an example. They can't afford those guys. That's like 15 million bucks. And and I like Dan Vladar in goal, but we'll see. They can't go trade for all those things. So you you internalize. You go, okay, well, maybe Philip Broberg could help. And I think he can, but I don't think the older coaching staff want to play him. That's an issue. Now, it, come January, I hope they play him. Like, send him down soon. Talk to Gregor about this on Friday. Send him down soon. And then have him play like 10 games. And then he comes back up and just put him in the lineup. See what he can do. And you're either showcasing him for trade or you're saying this guy can play. One of the two. And they need that because if Broberg can fix the defense, then they can go spend some money on a goaltender. If they can't, then maybe it's a little wishy-washy. Up front, I think they've got to go. I know that Clem Costin is uh, on the outs a little bit with Detroit. Maybe he's a guy that they get. I think Xavier Borgo will be that player, and he did score on the weekend, but I think he's a ways away. He's still not scoring. Last year he scored at like .56 points per game. He's at 4.5 points per game right now. You need him to get to .8. You need him to, to really putting, be putting pucks in the net quite a bit, like Raphael Lavoie now. And then you could call him up, and he is a two-way guy. And don't forget Dylan Holloway is coming back. So in the article that I wrote for The Athletic today, I'm talking about what the options are. Who, like, you know, of the players that are on the roster, Borgo's not really ready. Broberg, the coaching staff, isn't really convinced of. Olivier Rodrigue. Now, I don't, I have no doubt that the coaching staff would go, what the hell are you talking about? You're going to play Olivier Rodrigue, put him into a position where he'll obviously fail, and then you're going to go, well, see, the guy's no good. I'm not saying that. I'm saying 
Jack Campbell has shown you what he can bring you for a year and almost a half, and it's not good enough. So leave him down there. Call up Olivier Rodrigue and play him. Like, play him every third game uh, for the next, like, four weeks, and he plays five games, let's say. Let's say he plays five games in the next month. See what you have. And I know it would be a young tandem. I get that. But Stuart Skinner saved the season a year ago. The Oilers have no damn money. They don't. They're going to have to trade more assets, and they can't. I just did the top 20. Look at it. Look at it. They are, they are, they're, they're, they're at a sticky wicket. They are, they are, they're screwed. And so what do you do? What do you do? Play the kids. Play the kids. Even if Rodrigo's 0 and 3 with an 878 save percentage, would, are you confident that Jack Campbell would do more? You don't have the money to trade with Boston. And you're not going to trade Nuge. You, 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 you have the money to trade with Calgary, but they're going to have to overpay in assets to get it done. Reimer, probably the same thing. Give the kid a break. Give the, you've only played him four games. It's not like he's tired because you keep auditioning Jack Campbell. Campbell had pressure on himself Saturday night to perform, and he didn't do it. Jack Campbell is telling you who he is. I'm, it doesn't give me any great pleasure to do this. I hope Jack Campbell shuts out everybody between now and April and then does it again in the playoffs. That's my sincere wish for him and for you. The manager of a hockey team can't deal in those hopes and dreams and wishes. That's to be reality. Reality is the best goalie not named Stuart Skinner on this entire organization is Olivier Rodrigue. Call him up today. All right. I've had my say, and I'll say no more. You can have your say at one 401 Low Tide, you're right. Let the kids play and get hair on their ass, like you say. I'm just saying that, that uh, how do you become that, that bull veteran guy? I didn't say it originally. Duke Snyder said it. When he's talking about the Expos and they needed a lefty bat. And he said they need a lefty bat with hair on his ass. And I like I don't say that as pleasurable. I know it's noon hour. But that's what you're looking for, a, a man to do a man's job. Well, how do you develop those men? You bring up Olivier Rodrigue. Give him a shot. You know, the net is still the same size in the NHL. Maybe the defenseman will play better in front of him. Maybe you could save yourself a whole hell of a lot of money of assets if that guy can play. I know, I know. Low tide smoking the drapes. I'm not wrong. Speaking of not wrong, Rachel Dory is just a brilliant individual. And she's the Staff and Graph podcast co-host. And she's going to be a regular every Monday at 1240 right here. And I have five questions for her. Two of them involve the Edmonton Oilers, and they're on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 14. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Say hello to Doug and to Mary as well today. Have you ever seen the Mamas and Papas um, documentary? What a wild, wild time for those four individuals. 
would be like if you and I went to an island in the Caribbean with your American Express card and then didn't do a lick of work and only did hallucinogenic things for like a year and a half and then somebody found the American Express card and cut it in half. That was what it'd be like. You up for it? Yeah, I think I could tag along for that. I was trying to think like I, I was trying to think of something to say, but that just sounds so, you know, out of left field. I don't even I, I listen, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I'm too old. You're gonna have to find another, you know, ride or die. It's it's not me. I am way too old for that stuff. Rachel Dory joining us now from Staff and Graph Podcast and various other locales on the internet. Rachel, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Happy Monday. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing very well, but I'm going to ask you the most asked question in Edmonton by fans and by media. How long can the Oilers wait to make a move in goal to get Stuart Skinner some help? Like yesterday? Um, <laughs> maybe, two, two, maybe two months ago? Uh, yeah, it's it's still not great. Um, still below 900. Well, below. He's 20 points below 900. Jack Campbell seems to be finding his game in the AHL, but you don't want to rush that because the, the easiest way to destroy confidence is to bring somebody up and have them to get shelled. Um, but I'm looking, like, I look, I run my model, and I, I look at the Oilers, just generally speaking, and, like, they're really good defensively in terms of pre- preventing chances. They're obviously elite offensively, and they've been unlucky. Like, their PDO is still, which is obviously the luck factor, still low. And a big reason for that is their goaltending. And a lot of the times you, you look kind of in front of them and you're like, well, what's going on in front of them? And this time you're kind of looking in front of them and you're going, in front of them's not the problem. It is the goaltending. And I think you owe it now, especially because the team looks to be playing well and kind of on the upswing. I feel like you owe them a goaltender at this point. Yeah, and it's one thing that, that I do notice about the autos and they do this is they're they're putting all their eggs in the Jack Campbell basket. Calvin Pickard's played a couple of games, and he has a 9.19 save percentage at 5-on-5, five five, and I'm not saying he's the the answer. And Olivier Rodriguez at 9.36 in the AHL, but he's only played four games, and I'm not seeing he, saying he's the answer. But it seems like the Oilers are maybe limiting themselves. What's your opinion on on a young goalie like Rodriguez in 20 or anything? He's I think he's been pro hockey for three years. Um, the owners like to overcook their prospects, but Rod Riggs been down there. He was a top 10 goalie in terms of save percentage a year ago. Is that just too much to ask of a young goaltender? Yeah, I think you're seeing that down the highway there in Calgary. They're going to try and do that with Dustin Wolf. And obviously Dustin Wolf is maybe at a bit of a higher level than Olivier Rodrigue. Like I think Olivier Rodrigue can get there and if he has another fantastic AHL season this year. But you look at it, and Calgary didn't bring up Dustin Wolf last year, and I think we all thought that that was a huge mistake. Um, but then you look at it, and it's been really helpful for his development, and, and they haven't rushed him. I think in Edmonton, we talk about upsetting a goaltender's confidence. If there is one prospect you want to overcook, it's goaltending. Like I'm not a fan of doing it for defensemen or forwards, but goaltending, like I see it in the city I live, live in. Joseph Wool was down on the AHL for years and I kind of thought okay like are they going to give this kid a chance and they didn't and they didn't and they didn't and then they finally brought him up give him spot duty and now he's kind of really taken over the reins I could see a similar situation with Olivier Rodrigue where he's down on the farm and he's dominating down on the farm and you kind of like you bring him up and you give him a little bit but with the situation the Oilers are in right now they can't afford to do that they need a goalie that's going to be able to play now and and it's completely unfair to to ask 
a 21-year-old, 22-year-old rookie goaltender to shoulder that load. Sports fourteen forty. We're joined by Rachel Dory from Staff and Grab Podcast. I want to ask this question because it, it when when the trade was made between Calgary and Vancouver for Zadorov, it was in, in instantly what I thought. I I believe a smart team like Dallas or or maybe Boston should jump in now and go get Hannafin. They might have to pay a little more now because it's not near the deadline when the the need would be greater. Maybe Toronto will do it. But isn't Hannafin the guy you go get from that team? And shouldn't it be now? Yes and yes. Noah Hannafin is clearly the guy that you're trying to acquire. I understand that Toronto has the interest in Chris Tanev, and I can absolutely see why. But if we're talking about all-around defensemen here, whether it's Boston, Dallas, Toronto, who very obviously have interest, um, that is the best all-around defenseman there, right? He can play five-on-five matchup minutes. He can play on the penalty kill. If you need him to play on the power play in a pinch, he can absolutely do that, too. Chris Tanev is a much better penalty killer and defensive defenseman. So if you're, I mean, if you're Toronto, you have offense. You don't need any more of that. Um, I think Chris Tanev is a good fit there. But if I'm a team like the Bruins, if I can have a pair that's anchored by Charlie McAvoy and then a pair that's anchored by Noah Hannafin, I'm going to be pretty happy about that. So I think right now you're looking at it. I think the price might be palatable right now because – once you get to the deadline, then you've got teams that are kind of in a bidding war, whereas right now it's sort of just preliminary talk. So if I'm a contender, I mean, I like the Brian Burke sort of way of going about things, which I want to get the business done early. I don't want to be waiting till the deadline where the, the prices are really high and you're potentially in a bidding war leading up to the last day. And um, Hannafin, I feel like if Calgary continues to kind of go along at the pace that they're going on, I feel like he's the best guy that's going to be available. Rachel, how lucky are the Oilers that the Western Conference is as soft as butter? And they, like, they've got a gap here and they've got some teams to jump over, but th- there are not eight teams running away. And that's how lucky are they to be in this spot? Extraordinarily lucky. I, I look at, I mean, I've got my model up in front of me now. They're performing well offensively, they're performing well defensively, they're performing well on the penalty kill and well on the power play in terms of the chances creation or the chance prevention there is not an area of their game where i would classify them as weak which i mean usually when we're talking about the oilers here they haven't been the best defensive team for the last decade or more and so i feel like they've taken a real positive step in that and if they can get their shooting percentage elevated so they can start to get some pucks to go in and maybe get some saves every once in a while talking about a team that could really go on a run here like if if you put a gun to my head and said you have to pick a team that's currently out of the playoffs that's going to win 10 straight at some point this season I would pick the Oilers because I I think them and Pittsburgh are for different reasons grossly underperforming to what they should be Pittsburgh the issue is the power play it is horrendous to watch and it's got horrendous numbers Edmonton it's the goaltending and I think with the Buttersoft situation in the in the division and the conference Edmonton's got a there's a scenario where they finish third and I can't see LA or Vegas falling off so I don't think second or first is really on the table anymore but there is a significant scenario where they finish third in their division and just so we're clear when we're talking about like you talked to us last week about like getting a goalie you you're as I recall your suggestion was was Linus Allmark, good, like high, high end. And I'm not saying he's available, but get the guy. Yeah, that's great. I think, honestly, if they get the guy, 
we're talking about a team that can go on a run here because their underlying metrics are fantastic. They've got the big boys clicking again. Their penalty kill looks really good. They're moving the puck well. Their power play is creating. They're, they are the antithesis of the Canucks. Like, that's effectively the comparison there is that Vancouver is getting all the goaltending imaginable and all of the luck, and the Oilers are getting none of the luck and none of the goaltending, and that's exactly why we are where we are. And so I think if you got an Olmark or a Soros, not that I think Boston's going to trade Olmark, but I think you're in a scenario there where now you're looking at a team that doesn't really have an identified weakness, and that's a big problem for other teams. And that's because of where the Canucks are in the standings, it tells you that like if you're, if you're Ken Holland and the management group, the Canucks are fairly high up, but they are going to regress and not in the good way. And the Oilers, if they get a goalie, like if they get a real goalie, they could be, they could climb the charts like, you know, with a bullet. Pretty much. Yeah. That's a, that's the exact analysis I would go with is you get a, a goaltender that even provides you, even Tristan Jari is a great example. He's nine fifteen. That's not like Vesna worthy winning goaltending here, but it is, it's average. It's manageable. If they got 915 goaltending, my model, like I have the ability to kind of like remove uh, a player and put in kind of like the stats for player X, sort of like a ghost player. I put in a 910 goaltender just to be, you know, cautious. The Oilers would have six more points already this season if they had a goaltender that just gave them 910. Wow. They'd be in the playoffs, basically. Yeah. yeah. So then you think about potentially adding a goaltender that gives you nine thirty. We're talking about a team that could really go on a run here and become a massive issue. Now I'm, I don't know if they're going to continue to play this well systematically, but through 20 odd games they have, and the numbers are standing up. And so this is a scenario where I look at this, if I'm Jeff Jackson and Ken Holland and I go, this is a no brainer. The only glaring weakness on our team is a goaltender we expend the assets whether it's our first Xavier Borgo Philip Broberg whatever assets you need to get the goalie you owe it to this team because now they're actually performing well Rachel Dory our guest staff and graph podcast uh final question and I ask this because every year I wait because the 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 smart math folks tell me you have to wait till everybody plays 20 games I think Ottawa is shy but everybody else has 20 games and I look at this with the Rangers, Boston, Leafs, Detroit uh, at the top, Carolina at the top of the Western Conference, and then in the East, I'm sorry, the Eastern Conference in the West, it's L.A., Vegas, Dallas, Colorado, and Van. Um, so give me your, because right now I still think there's a lot of, of noise, but maybe I'm wrong. You know more than I do about this stuff. If you had to pick a Stanley Cup finalist from each conference, who would it be? Oh, who would it be? You know what? That's that's a really great question. I think um, – I don't know if it's a cop-out per se, but I, I think I'd honestly – I'd have to go Vegas, Boston. Boston is – if they stay healthy, they're a problem. Like, they're a big, big problem. One of the, But the dark horse in the West, I will say, is the Kings. Yeah. Like, the Kings are going to be an issue, and they're not going to be an issue because, like, oh, yeah, they've got young players and they've got old players. You put Philip Deneau, Ante Kopitar, and Pierre-Luc Dubois in a seven-game series, one, two, three as your centers, matched up against any team in the league, and they win. Because they are, that's top-end two-way play from two of those players. 
and you got Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's capable of scoring. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about his defense. But when you have Ante Kopitar and Philip Deneau, who are both stealthy, capable sort of players, that's not enjoyable to play against. Like, they've, they can shut guys down. They can also score. And so you look at it, the Kings' depth up front is a massive, massive leg up for them. And so I think there's a, a dark horse there. I, I would love a sort of... I don't know if the scenarios could play out, right? But I, I would love a um, Kings-Golden Knights playoff series. I it would be great. Um, did you? What did you take away? Because I know Colorado didn't have everybody. But I, like I looked at the LA, the the high dangers were like fifteen to six. The 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 Corsi was sixty four percent to L for LA. They won four one. Like they they looked like. I remember when I saw the Kings once against Vancouver uh, late in the season where they won their first Stanley, and I, I didn't recognize them because they were so good and they were so tight. And L.A. just kind of has that feeling right now, or at least they have recently when I've seen them. Yeah, you're right. I, you look at this, and that was, I like to call those games, we got lessened. And Colorado, like, you you look at it and they have the one leg up that they have on the Kings is the star power, right? Kel McCarr on the back end is by my model projected for 122 points. Like that's, that's a problem. Um, and you got Nathan McKinnon, you got Nico, Nico and you got Devin Tays, like Bowen Byram's really coming along. And I think in this situation, right, you look at it and Colorado just really didn't, show up to play they were they got high danger chance they got general scoring chances the expected goals were lopsided like Colorado just flat out was not ready to play and that was a lesson game they learned their lesson with LA that LA is good enough now where you cannot do that it's not the San Jose's of the world or even Ottawa right now like that it's just not going to cut it and so I think this is that's going to be a good experience for for Colorado, it could be one of those situations where it really galvanizes them. Because uh, I think, generally speaking, Colorado is the better team there. Um, but you watch that game and, and you go, Colorado just wasn't ready to play tonight. Yeah. Rachel Dory, thank you. Thank you. All right. There she goes. Rachel Dory from Staff and Graph Podcast. Every Monday at 1240, we'll have her on. And we will have... Somebody said to me the other day, you don't ask enough Oilers questions. Well, we'll ask her Oilers questions, and you're welcome to send them in as well. Um, very, uh, Her model, which is now not online, but she's going to find a place for it, it's fascinating. And I, I, you know, I have no idea. I can't tell the future, but I think there are people that you can talk to in media um, that are available, but for a limited time. <laughs> limited time because my experience on this show has been you know we had Tyler Dello on this show at one time we tried to get Tim Barnes on this show we didn't weren't able to uh but we've had Rob Volman uh we've had a lot of really smart people um we had Michael Parcati on this show now works for the audit many years ago we had him on the uh the lowdown um they're 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 able to see the game and in Rachel's case explain the game like in real time in in ways that numbers support in a big way. And that is, that's huge information. It's extremely, you can use it or not, but it's extremely valuable. And it, it gives you some insight and gives you an idea about where the order should go. And if you just listen to Rachel, you should have no doubt about what the order should be doing right now. All right, it is 
coming up on 1 o'clock. We've got a very busy hour number two uh, right here on the lowdown. We have three different specific things. On the way at 105, Austin Elmore from ESPN 1530 Cincinnati is going to join us and talk about the Bengals tonight. We'll have Jason Greger at 120 to talk about the Otis. And then it's our friend Declan with Mama MMA at 140. This is the lowdown with low tide on Sports 1440. It's time for this is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, six games in the NHL. It all gets going with the Stars and Lightning and Penguins and Flyers, both games at 5 p.m. The Winnipeg Jets have signed forward Nino Niederreier to a three-year extension worth $12 million, and the IIHF announced today that it is making net guards mandatory for all levels of competition in the tournaments it runs, including the Olympics and men and women's world championships. Just two games in the NBA in the in-season tournament tonight. Two quarterfinal matchups as Boston sees Indiana at 5.30 and New Orleans is in Sacramento to take on the Kings at 8.00. Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord, who started throughout the season for the Buckeyes, has entered his name to the transfer portal this morning, as did Oklahoma starting quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel will have one year of eligibility remaining, while reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams from USC will not play in the team's Holiday Bowl, head coach Lincoln Riley announced today. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett underwent ankle surgery to, quote, accelerate the healing process on a high sprain to his right ankle. Pickett will be out for Thursday's game against the New England Patriots, but the injury is not season-ending. The Eagles and former Colts All-Pro Shaquille Leonard have agreed to terms on a one-year deal for the linebacker. And NFL Week 13 wraps up tonight with the Bengals and Jags at 6.15. You can join Connor Halley at the Canadian Ice House downtown for that one where you can win a chance to win a trip to the Super Bowl. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.